call for all of us to recognise and acknowledge the fact of occupation, to rethink the received colonial settler narrative. Justice with Tallulah. Good afternoon and welcome back to Deadly Justice. You're listening to Tallulah. This week uh, we began our new segment which is Scuttermob and this segment is all about um, celebrating all of the positive achievements that Aboriginal people have been doing in their communities and all of the really cool things that they're doing to contribute to making people's lives better. So we've got our very first guest on this segment, um, Ashanti McHenry, who I met during um, Kimberly Girl, and um, we've since become really good friends, and um, Shanti's told me all about some really positive things that she's been doing, and she's currently working as development officer with the Karatha Girls Academy, and doing some really positive things with those girls. Um, so how are you going? Yeah, I'm going good, a bit warm here, but um, we get through. <laughs> so, since Kimberly Girl, how how what and Kimberly and Pilbara Girl, what have you been doing? You mean from two weeks ago? Yep. <laughs> <laughs> well, first, I want to say congratulations. Thank you. <laughs> yeah, uh, I had a day off, and then I came back, and I'm back to work. So, yes, I work at the Craft Senior School, the Craft Girls Academy, and yes, I am a development officer, and that plays a lot of different roles, a lot of different. Subject that should go a long conversation. But um, I'm just going to let you know what I do, which is in school mentoring, um, do work on mental health, and re engaging students back into school. How did you get into being development officer at the Girls Academy? I had a friend that just said, Hey, do you want this job? And I said, Oh, I'm not sure. And she's like, you should apply for it. And I was like, I don't think I'm, I don't know. I had very self-doubt for myself. And I was like, I don't think I'll be able to do that. I don't know. It feels like when it's in development officer, it just felt like a really important role. And I don't know. At the, at the time, I had very self-doubt. Yes, I love to, you know, encourage as many people to just keep aiming hard. But at the time, I was a bit low. And I always tell myself, you know, you have to, you have to change, Shanti. What are you doing? You're slipping down. You're slipping down. And uh, I challenged myself, and I was like, yep, I'm going to apply. And I got the job, and that was last term, term three of um, school. And then I just went from there, and I love my job. But come Monday to Friday, but sometimes it's the weekends. But I love it. So yeah, no drama from that. Oh, that's some really positive stuff. Tell us about you. You did Pilbara Girl in 2014. 14, yep. And you did a bit of modelling. So do you want to tell us a little bit about that? Yeah, so I, after I did Pilbara Girl, I, um, I gained a lot of experience. I gained a lot of work for myself. And the key for me was I loved myself. And that, that's a big thing for me because once I did that, I could just move on and keep doing things. And then I could just show, you know, people or other youth, come on, guys, you do this. Don't you want to feel that achievement? Don't you want to feel success? It feels good. Like, 
why would you want to be, you know, hitting rock bottom and stay there? Like, always go up. You don't want to have that feeling. So I can't, I guess I felt that and I wanted others to feel that because it's a good feeling and and it's good for our community and we just keep going and going and at the end we have a stronger community and I'm a stronger person as well for my children. Oh, that's some really positive stuff. I love hearing this. And, you know, I know firsthand your um, your your excellence as a mentor, you know. You were a mentor for me during the Kimberly Girl program and your encouragement, you just seem to make people feel really comfortable and you, you emphasise people's self-worth and it's definitely so important because you think about how many of those girls started off the program feeling so, um, like, nervous and not good you know not good enough and and having you girls around really encouraged these girls to get out of their comfort zone and to feel like they were worthwhile and um and that they were capable capable of doing really positive things and so that's that's a lot about what the work you're doing now as well and i think also your work as a model teaching um aboriginal women that they can you know kind of be um in the spotlight and um you know do positive things in their communities and have confidence because you know there's kind of been well historically not very many aboriginal aboriginal models at all and um you can kind of see the tables turning a little bit more but it's really really awesome to see that do you want to can you tell us a little bit more about your modeling experience yeah, well, uh, I've had a different, so I started modeling from Pilbara Girl, and then from that, I just went and um, I had my first child. After my first child, I got right into modeling, and I was like, you know what? I know that I'm five foot and I'm a little short girl, um, but I'm going to keep going, and I enjoy it. And that's where I feel that I had the most confidence, and I love myself the most. And when I walk on that stage or that runway, that's just like my high. That's, that's me, like, feeling the best that I could be. And then when I show, like, you know, when I walk with my smile and, like, you know, you know, that strong little stripe, people can see that. And that's another thing that you can show people and you can tell people that when you see, like, myself as an Indigenous small person walking on a runway... You know, it's a big thing, and I hear a lot of feedback, and some girls are like, you know, can we do that? Absolutely, we can do that. I've done um, the Brag Testonia. I did a Virgin Melbourne fashion show, Australian fashion show, and um, I did that in March this year. That was absolutely amazing. I did it last year, and I walked on a runway. I was so nervous at the start. And I was like, nah, you know what, I'm doing this for my mob. And, yeah, so I was involved in an Indigenous um, project, uh, runway project, and that all Indigenous people around the world flew in to Melbourne to do a fashion show. So that was, like, the biggest achievement that I did. And I basically nailed it, and I loved it, and I did it again. How um, amazing. That is just the coolest thing ever. And how many barriers you had to overcome as an Aboriginal woman to get to that point, you know? So much. So, yeah, you know, not having that confidence, not knowing Melbourne, you know, you're out of your comfort zone, you don't have anybody that you know there, and then, you know, you got to keep going, keep going. And I think I had that right mindset at the start. 
Then I went down and I was like, no, Shanti, you can't do this. you got to keep going. And then I was like, yep, all right. I had blisters on my foot. We was, we had a 12-hour routine every day for five days. And then that sixth day we had that fashion show. And then when we did that, oh, I was in pain. But you know what? I opened that show. I was the first model. And you know what? That's the, that's the highlight for any model you can ever ask them. If you're on first, oh everybody goes Wow, that's such amazing stuff. And I've seen those photos and you look absolutely stunning. And, and you know, like I said, you know, that, that it's not easy. you got to work hard. You have to put effort in. You have to, you know, feel like you're doing something that's worthwhile, <laughs> you know. You have to... And, and, and also coming from Karatha and a whole lot of like, you know, I think about all the Aboriginal... My, my, one of my sisters here who's a model, like coming from small communities to the big city, to do something that's so nerve-wracking, like it's not easy. Um, how awesome is that, you know? You know, it is, it is amazing. You know, we had a journey and I only met you for a week and you are such an amazing woman. And when you spoke, it just I just get so warm inside just to hear you. <laughs> um, not only so you, sweet. it was so many other girls and... I've been on that journey and then to see you on that journey and me to be a part of your journey and to shape you in the way that you can be is amazing. And, you know, that's, that's me. I just, I love it. Oh, and that's, I've always been involved. That's some, really, oh, that's some really heartwarming stuff. And to have people like you mentoring young girls at the Girls Academy as well, that's just such awesome stuff. So I just wanted to ask you, like, you know, what are your plans for the future? Okay, future, maybe next month I'm going to do a fashion parade and I've got two designers. One is ourselves, which is Craft the Girls Academy and we're going to make some jackets and we're going to, it's a NAIDOC thing, always was, always will be. And we'll be putting on a show and we have um, another one, which is Blue Beanie Project. They have some merch. Um, we try to get a local... Uh, designer, but their designs will be in Perth, and we're doing the Welcome to Holster exhibition, so we won't be able to get them, but that is fine. Um, I have the Crafter Girls Academy, hopefully the Rover Girls Academy get involved, and we can do a show. I'm going to do some catwalking classes for the next few weeks, um, and we'll be designing Indigenous earrings and jackets. So that's the next month. There's so much other things I could say, but I don't think I can talk for days and days on this radio. <laughs> <laughs> that's awesome. I hope that you continue to be involved in the Pilbara Girl and the Kimberley Girl stuff because your role in, in that program is so integral and, and um, you know, so pivotal in how the girls see themselves and how they value themselves. It's such a, you know, positive thing to see you having gone through the program, doing wonderful things at the moment, and then there to encourage the girls to do the same, you know. So I hope that you, hope that you come back and, and maybe we see each other next year at the Kimberly Girl Program, Kimberly Pilbara Girl Program. Absolutely. I love Glory and I just want to thank somebody and that's Kira Fong. Um, I hope you can hear this, Kira. Thank you very much. I'm here and what I'm doing is because of you. You're the one that changed me and you're the one that saved my life. Oh, I love that. Um, awesome. So, look, it's, it's, 
it's been really good to have you on the show today. And um, I'm really looking forward to all of the positive things that you're going to be doing. And I'm hoping at some point maybe we can have like a um, follow-up show, maybe in 12 months, a follow-up show to talk about, you know, where you were when we first did this interview and where you're at now. Yeah, I'd love to do that to you as well. Um, But yeah, look, thanks for being on the show. and, And also thanks for being the first guest. We've like opened the segment. So I don't know if you know much about, but normally the show is about Indigenous um, like justice issues um, and this new yeah. segment that we're doing is like yeah meant to like be like the purpose of it is to like flip the media and talk about some positive stuff for a change That's positive is best. yes exactly and um, like Shulan always says you can catch more bees with honey can't you <laughs> <laughs> yeah so um, so thanks for being the first guest how cool so uh, yeah so look thank you for joining us and we look forward to hearing from you yep Thank you very much. Thank you. Congratulations. That was Shanti McHenry, everyone. Uh, now, Shanti has chosen a song for us to have a break to, and that is Brown Skin Girl by Beyonce. So, enjoy. Brown Skin Girl, your skin looks like pearls. Best thing in the world. No change for anybody else in Brown Skin Girl. skin looks like pearls. Best thing in the world. I never charge you for anybody else singing. She says she really grew up poor like me. Don't believe in nothing but the Almighty. Just a little jeans and a pure whitey. She never dreamed forever be nobody wifey. Yeah. She want I mean a pretty but your heart is a miss. Play you like a villain cause she caught in a way. Tonight I am walking away. Nine to five mine and I grind. Yeah, yeah. Tonight I might fall in love. Depending on how you hold me I'm glad that I'm calming down Can't let no one come control me Keep dancing and call it love She fights it by falling slowly If ever you are in doubt Remember what mama told me Brown skin girl Your skin just like pearls Your back against the world I never tried you for anybody else A brown skin just like pearls, the best thing in the world. I never trade you for anybody else. Goes like a trophy when Naomi's walking. She need an Oscar for that pretty dark skin. Pretty like Lupita when the camera's closing. Drip broke the levy when my Kelly's rolling. I think tonight she might pray her brave. Melanin too dark to throw her shade. She minds her business and winds her waist. Go like 24K. Okay. Tonight I might fall in love, depending on how you hold me. I'm glad that I'm calming down. Can't let no one come control me. Keep dancing and call it love. She fighting by falling slowly. If ever you are in doubt, remember what mama told me. Brown skin girl, your skin just like pearls. You're back against the world. I never tried you for anybody else, a brown skin girl. That skin just like pearls. The best thing about the world. I never tried you for anybody else. Have you looked in the mirror lately? Wish you could trade eyes with me. There's complexities in complexion. What your skin is, glow like diamonds. Dig me like the earth, you be giving birth. 
to everything alive, baby, know your worth. I love everything about you from your nappy curls to every single curve your body natural. Same skin that was broken, me the same skin taking over. Most things are the focus, few, but when you're in the room, they know it's you. Good afternoon and welcome back to Deadly Justice. You're listening to Tallulah. Uh, this interview is uh, is a special one. We have Riley Dolman, who is uh, my stepbrother, and um, we're going to chat to Riley about some of the really positive things that he's been doing in his community. So Riley started at UWA in 2015 and completed an undergrad in science in, sorry, majoring in sports science and exercise health and has completed that and is now doing a master's in clinical exercise physiology. Um, alongside this, Riley has uh, previously played for Waffle and uh, has attended lots of um, international conferences and has done some advocacy for Aboriginal people overseas and is also volunteering with Fair Game. So how are you going, Riley? Hi, I'm good. How are you? Good, thanks. Tell us about you. We want to hear more about you. Okay, so I'm living in Perth at the moment, uh, just finishing up my master's, hopefully this year, uh, in, in, in clinical exercise physiology. Um, and then from there, I am looking to move regionally. Um, with my experiences with Fair Game, um, who are a non-profit that work in, in underserviced communities, um, it's shown me, I guess, the benefits of how we can use exercise as a modality to improve health, um, obviously then contributing to healthier communities overall. So I guess into my you know, future, I can see myself um, yeah, moving regionally and starting to apply some of these learnings I've had from university um, and, yeah, with the, I guess, the bigger endeavour um, to improve communities um, sustainably. So within the communities to build capacity, um, but then also to have some sort of self-determination around what those programs might look like rather than, you know, coming in and, and trying to, to build it as I see fit. Does that make sense? Yeah, awesome. And, and you know, your passion uh, in um, sports and, and recreation and stuff um, is, you know, really aligned with Aboriginal culture and Aboriginal people. There's so much um, emphasis on, on Aboriginal people doing, you know, good stuff in terms of sport and all of that kind of stuff. Um, did you want to tell us a little bit about your journey, what, what you've kind of done to get to where you are and, and maybe some of the obstacles that you've had to overcome? Yeah, so my journey, I guess, um, has been, you know, all over the shop, as, as it is for a lot of people, uh, moving around and stuff, but spent most of my time in Perth, um, travelling through school there, um, and then from there, starting to head towards university, um, where I still am and have been for a little while. Um, 
some of the obstacles I guess I had to overcome is, is some of those, you know, individual, we'll call it failures or, or, you know, being set back through the, you know, not being deemed competent at university and those type of things, even schooling. Um, and they're just challenges that I've overcome little by little, but I think that it's probably going to build me up to become a better practitioner when I do finish university as it is. Um, other challenges are, you know, in the, in the sporting arena, that's definitely something that I would like to be continuing with, but, you know, as injuries and time management and things like that um, coming into play into it, it's been something I've had to step away from a little bit, but, you know, if it means moving regionally, hopefully you can pick it up again um, into the future. And, yeah, I guess it's always that ever-going, ever-ongoing issue of wanting to be able to improve other people's lives but also not knowing when or how to best achieve those type of things. So that's something I guess I'm in that stage now is to try and to upskill and develop myself to be able to create the best um, situation for myself to be able to actually make change and, and contribute to people's lives. Um, so, yeah, not knowing when or, or how to be able to do that is, I guess, a little bit of a challenge. Yeah, for sure. And, um, you know, it's always that kind of question about how um, because, you know, government agencies come in all the time and they kind of have these really cool incentives on how we can kind of, um, you know, improve lifestyles for Aboriginal people, especially in communities and regional, like, you know, the, the kind of work that you want to be doing in the future. But the question is always how. You know, so I think it's so important to be um, going into communities and having chat with having a chat with people to work out which is the best way to kind of kind of contribute and to help. So yeah, yeah, I think that's definitely the avenue I need to be taking is, is spending some more time out in these places that I have that align with my passion, and then you know from there understanding and then trying to apply I guess my knowledges rather than going to continue with you know formal educations where I'm looking at how textbook might tell me I need to do it. I think, yeah, I'm ready for that stage now where communities can kind of guide me towards how they best perceive things to go. Yeah, absolutely. It's so important. Could you... So I know you've done uh, a little bit of, like, um, travel overseas and you've done some... Um, you, you've attended some conferences overseas and all of that kind of stuff. Do you want to talk a little bit about that and what all of those were about and um, your role? Yeah, so um, one of the big ones I've attended was a... It was called a Reconciliation. Um, it was a retreat over in Toronto in Canada. Um, it was based um, on the idea that there needs to be action to be able to achieve reconciliation, um, obviously the title there. And I was invited as, I guess, an international delegate for an Indigenous perspective on what I believe needed to be done to achieve reconciliation. Um, talked about, you know, my understanding of how things were happening here in Australia and then um, talked about how I think people could be doing things differently and, and you know it's obviously based on, on youth so it was kind of my perspective on how I thought other young people could contribute to that space and um, make you know realistic and um, I guess promising sort of changes within themselves to affect um, other First Nations communities in Canada at the time but I think a lot of the learnings that I got from there as well as hopefully what I contributed were more of an international perspective they weren't based on any particular community. It was just general actions around being respectful and, you know, acknowledging and all those type of things. Uh, so I attended that one a couple of times. And one, I guess, not so international but locally was um, over in Cairns. I was able to go to the Uluru Stone from the Heart uh, Youth Summit last year. And that was a really good experience for me to be able to learn more around the statement um, and how it aligned probably with my values and my ideas 
and then allowed me to, I guess, build my advocacy path um, to be a little bit better and understanding from some of the legal perspectives of what it meant. And that's now something I think, yeah, I'm following up with a little bit and I'm really curious to see that statement and that journey, um, how it's going to come about and then obviously, hopefully, when it does come into play um, and we can actually see some of that constitutional reform. Yeah, awesome. Now, I know you you mentioned before uh, about Fair Game um, and you talked a little bit about that. Can you tell us just... Give us a little bit more of a um, of a, an intro, I guess, into what Fair Game is and what the kind of stuff Fair Game do in the Kimberley and maybe in um, or, you know all over Australia, and also about your role with Fair Game. Yeah, so Fair Game's um, non-profit has been around for about ten years now. Um, started in the Pilbara and since then has you know grown to be um, you know servicing most of Western Australia. Um, and our services are recycling sports equipment. That's mainly done here in the city in Perth. Um, we get people secondhand, you know, obviously still good quality, quality equipment, and we recycle it, and then we take it out to communities. Uh, we run sporting programs. We run healthy communities programs, addressing, you know, key health outcomes um, that we've understood for, for communities. And then we um, provide that recycled, edu- uh, recycled sporting equipment for these communities, so they don't have, um, so sorry, so they don't lack the resources to be able to have access to that healthy lifestyle choice of sports, exercise, physical activity. So the idea being that in those remote places, they definitely don't have um, the you know resources that we do down here. And people always are, you know turning over you know a new pair of footy boots, new football every year, and then they're just going into landfill. Um, so we're hoping to redirect that to be I guess utilised. To those to its fullest potential, um, we in the Kimberley work um, generally during the school holidays. We try and collaborate with a lot of the organisations that exist and come up and we travel out to communities um, all the way through Central East Kimberley and yeah, spend some time with volunteers coming out to come and, and continue the education that they're receiving around those healthy um, behaviour choices, and then obviously, as I said, providing that sporting equipment. And, and running some sporting programs as well. My role is I'm, I'm a volunteer, so I come out and give up you know, a week of my time to come out and travel to these places and, as I said, administer those programs and, and donate that equipment. And I also sit on the board of directors for Fair Game. Uh, so I've been on there for three years now, and obviously that aspect is looking at the strategic direction of the organisation. And one thing I think I've contributed is it's becoming a bit more community-based, community-led, where we really take into account what the communities are uh, feeding back to us as to how we can improve our services or how we can make it more um, individualised for them. Yeah, awesome. And, and you know, you, you collaborate with a whole lot of um, organisations, you said, um, uh, that are doing positive things for health and, and sporting up here, which is really cool, um, especially considering how many sporting festivals and how many sporting events there are. You know, we've got the West Kimberley Football League, then we've got the Central Kimberley Football League, and then the East Kimberley Foot- Football League, and basketball, and, um, you know, Gandwa, Shinju, what's the other one, Boab Fest, all of this stuff that's, um, you know, really positive kind of sporting stuff. Um, and, and, yeah, I think I think teaching younger kids that that having a healthy lifestyle is possible and um and yeah looking after yourself is so important and yeah so i think really cool stuff that you're doing and i know you mentioned earlier you're interested in moving regionally will that look like possibly moving to broome 
Yeah, definitely. So, um, you know, when you finish uni, you always go through that, that stage of, of looking for the job and, and seeing where you fit into things. And, um, yeah, as I mentioned earlier, my, my passions do lie, um, do lie regionally at the moment. I am looking to find a job, not specifically, you know, um, Kimberley or Pilbara, but obviously having like yourself and some family around Broome, it would be really nice to have to move up there um, come 2021 and, yeah, see what we can see what we can do. How exciting. I, um, <laughs> I look forward to the possibility. Um, look, just one last thing. Do you have um, any advice or anything you wanted to add um, maybe for our listeners, especially our younger listeners, um, about, you know, your journey and overcoming obstacles and kind of um, doing some positive things for your community? Did you have anything you wanted to add? Um, I guess the one thing that I've found has been really good for me is to is to never turn down those opportunities. Um, it's a, if an opportunity comes up, you need to explore it, you need to, you know, dive into it. You know, you might find out it's not for you, but that's the only way that you'll find out that it's not for you. It's it's getting involved, um, deciding if it's something that you think is going to improve for yourself, but also approve, uh, prove, sorry, also go towards um, achieving your goals, your personal goals, your community goals. So, yeah, if someone reaches out and says, hey, would you like to do this? Um, I always, you know, give them the time to listen and then, you know, see if I value it. Um, yeah, I think it's probably the one thing that I'd like to say. Awesome. So, like, a, you never know until you try kind of thing. Yeah, and always, yeah, take those opportunities. They could be life-changing. For me, you know, I've just made a few, you know, decisions that I was, you know, didn't, didn't, didn't know the outcome, um, but just took the opportunity and then, yeah, I found out and they were... That was pretty good. Oh, awesome. Now, thank you so much for joining us. Um, and good luck. You've got a few more weeks of classes left. Am I right? Yes. A couple of weeks and then exams and then who knows? Who knows? How exciting. Yes. I'm very excited to see what the future holds. Thank you so much for having me. Yeah, thank you. That was Riley Dolman, everyone. Thank you, Riley, for joining us. Now, Riley has uh, chosen a song for us to go into our next break, and he's chosen Perfect by Ed Sheeran. I found a love for me Darling, just dive right in Follow my lead I found a girl Beautiful and sweet well, I never knew you were the someone waiting for me Cause we were just kids when we fell in love Not knowing what it was I will not give you up this time well, Darling, just kiss me is all I own And in your eyes You're holding mine Baby, I'm Dancing in the dark With you between my arms Barefoot on the grass Listening to our favourite song When you said you Whispered underneath my breath But you heard it Darling, you look perfect tonight 
than anyone I know She shares my dreams I hope that someday I'll share her home I found a love To carry more than just my secrets To carry love To carry children Of our own Good afternoon. You're listening to Deadly Justice with Tallulah. Uh, we have our final interviewee this afternoon, um, Jack Collard, who is a student at UWA studying a Bachelor of Arts double majoring in political science and international relations and Indonesian studies, which is a big mouthful. But um, so, yeah, we have Jack today and Jack's been doing some really positive things in his community. He's been um, helping out some high schools. Um, around uh, regional kind of Perth area with some um, language and Noongar stuff <laughs> and also running some y- youth yarning circles. And Jack's also been involved in um, some international conferences and doing some advocacy um, overseas. Uh, so how are you going, Jack? I'm going good. How are you going, Tallulah? <laughs> Not bad. So we want to hear a bit about you. Tell us about you. A bit about me. I don't know. You pretty much covered it. Just in my last year of uni, so walking the road, figuring out what I want to do next. But um, yeah, I've been involved with the Brulu Indigenous Youth Yarning Circles um, since I've been back from my nine months in Indonesia. Um, where I was studying Indonesian language after doing it all through school. Um, so I to take the opportunity to go do a new Colombo Plan scholarship program over there. Uh, so I did two semesters of study. I'm um, supposed to be in Papua New Guinea at the moment, um, working 
with the Reef and Rainforest Research Centre, but with Corona, I've been sent back. So uh, one of the things while I was away, really thinking of where I want to spend my time, um, was addressing some of those big impacts that colonisation has, uh, you know, had on our Nyungar mob. And Bulu, Perth, um, is, a, is an area where there's a lot going on, there's lots of opportunities, but there's not much of a, a network of youth, especially compared to other places around the world. So I also do some work with the United Nations Global Indigenous Youth Caucus, which is a collective of Indigenous youth from every single continent around the world who are all advocating for their Indigenous rights at these international forums. And Australia is one of the worst countries in the world in regards to mobilisation um, and unity, which is something that is so integral to all the all the stuff that we're trying to do as as a, as a mob, as a respective na- as respective nations, but also as a collective, we try and work towards self determination. There's a lot of work that needs to be done, and that first step that needs to be done is identifying who who is your nation and what does it mean to be a member of that nation. Secondly, it's about acting as that nation, and then thirdly and finally, it's just acting in a completely self determined way and acting as a sovereign nation and sovereign people that we are. So in places like Latin America, by the nature of their situation and the danger that they're in on a day-to-day basis with their, you know, adversarial governments uh, or killing leaders left, right and centre, you think about the Amazon with their president, Jose Bolsonaro, who's an open racist, like many of the mob, you know, that have been prime ministers in Australia, um, but he's um, got the backing of a very conservative government, so they've been burning down the trees and whatnot. So what I'm trying to say is that um, they need to be united and they didn't need to work together in order to, to survive. And I think for us Nyungas here, you know, that, that incentive isn't necessarily there and maybe that's one of the reasons why, you know, we as youth, we don't have a collective organisation and there's a lot of missed opportunities as a result and there's a lot of missed connections as well. So that's one of the reasons why I thought, you know, creating a network of Indigenous youth in Perth is really important, but also later on down the track, you know, across Australia, across Western Australia, um, there's a big need for us youth to be united um, and working together to achieve our goals, because it's easy to get distracted by all the different influences, you know, around the world, um, and some of these opportunities come our way as blackfellas, you know, going through school, going through university, going to, into that professional space. I think it's important that we all grounded in what do we actually want to do? Um, what do we need to do? Being clear on that. And then what, what are our long-term goals and what are the steps along the way that we need to take as um, individuals but also as a collective to realise these big-picture goals like self-determination. What does that mean? You know, If we want to be self-determined in our education system, you know, we need teachers, we need people making up the curriculum, You know, we need people working in every different facet of that um, pursuit um, so it's about capacity building. So yeah, I've been rambling, rambling, rambling. But um, yeah, those youth yarning circles is something I'm really, really passionate about. We're in the early stages at the moment. But yeah, very excited to see what it what it turns into. So hearing stories from around the world, like the Sami mob, Scandinavia. It just takes a few people to get people together, and then before you know it, you know, you're a nation and you're doing some big things. So yeah, not doing a whole lot. <laughs> I just talk. I just talk a lot. <laughs>
<laughs> no, that's awesome. That's really, and it's really important stuff, you know, I think about um, self-determination and how people are so, Aboriginal people, especially not here, are so dependent on, on a system that's not complementing them, you know? Um, and so that self-determination is so important. I think, like you said, the big question is how. So, um, and, and, you know, you're doing all this positive stuff in high schools and these youth yarning groups and, you know, being an advocate at the UN, you're being a voice, a bridge for people. And that's so important. And then when you have people like you kind of being that bridge, you have somebody who's able to play the game. And I, th- I think that's so important because it becomes, um, you think about how different Aboriginal culture is versus, you know, go to old white, white man's culture. Um, and then you have to kind of meet in the middle at some point. Um, and so being able to have that skill to play the game uh, makes all the difference and, um, and your work doing, doing this youth stuff is kind of um, teaching the, the younger generation or the, the young ones that they need to be kind of learning how to play that game earlier rather than later so that um, we, can, we can call the shots, I guess. So, yeah, really cool stuff. Exactly. And being aware of all the different you know, spanners that can be thrown our way when we're playing that game, being aware of those traps, that those wadgelers have for us mob coming up, yeah, super important. Yeah, absolutely. And, and, you know, when you think about the kind of obstacles that Aboriginal people have to overcome to be able to play that game in the first place, there's billions and billions of things that that stand in the way, I guess. Um, And on that, I guess, do you want to talk a little bit about some of the obstacles that you've had to overcome to get to where you are now? Um, Obstacles, I mean, I was... Very, very lucky um, in my upbringing. My mom and dad worked really hard, so, you know, never really had any issues in terms of getting enough food on the table or anything like that. But, you know, there's lots of different hurdles. Where do I start? I think one of the big ones recently for me, trying to be comfortable with big noting myself, because this white world that we live in, it's all about self promotion, you know, and being who you are as loud as you can. And then once, once you are who you are and you show what you're doing, if you don't, um, then people don't know. And there's lots of people with good intentions out in the in the public at the moment, especially for young black fellas. So I think that's something that I've overcome. Like when I first went to the UN and I and I spoke, I've almost felt too ashamed to even post it on Facebook. You know, um, that idea of big noting myself as if I'm something, you know, other than who I am. Um, but that's something that I've been, you know, coming to terms with myself recently. Um, that it is all just silly. To see more grounded in myself and what I'm what I'm doing, that's one of the biggest biggest hurdles I think. I don't know. So that's that, that so that's about um you know overcoming kind of self doubt and feeling comfortable and confident that what you have to say and that what you're doing is worthwhile. Is that is that kind of what you mean? Yeah, definitely. And just figuring out yeah how to play that game when you have to play that game. Being confident, you know, playing that game is alright. Grounded in what you're doing. Why are you doing it? Yeah, absolutely. And I guess that's one thing that stirs in every Aboriginal person's mind is that self-doubt that you're not good enough and that you're not worthwhile and that what you have to say is dumb or stupid or shame. You know what I mean? That's an issue that goes through every single blackfellow person's mind, you know? Exactly. And like every single day that you're capitulating or assimilating to this system by playing that game, it's just so contradictory to our own journeys of, you know, healing, which is decolonisation. It's just a frustrating sort of a process, like one step forward, but then two steps back, it almost feels like sometimes. So that's definitely been the big big thing for me. Yeah, absolutely. And and I guess, um, you, you know, we, we 
we often talk about um, the importance of self-determination, but that all begins with feeling comfortable and confident in yourself, you know? Feeling like you mm. do have the tools that you need and the strategies and the capabilities to, you know, work things out for yourself and, and, and then work things out for your own community, I guess. So, yes, yeah, so important. Just another question. What are your plans for the future? I know you touched a little bit of on, you know, what, what this might do for you, but, you know, you, you're in your last year and you've got, you'll soon have a Bachelor of Arts in Political Science and International Relations and Indonesian Studies. Oh, my gosh. So, what will that mean for you? <laughs> that mean for me not not a whole lot really to be honest but um i think like like the actual specifics of it like indonesian and that i don't think you know there's going to be many opportunities anytime soon uh to work in that space yeah later on down the track yeah for us balodong balodong yunga the countries that we built you know i think later on down the track that's where the indonesians might come into play but yeah that international relations stuff that's just going to hold me in good stead for being in that international Indigenous rights space, which is such a refreshing space to be in. As you see from all the different places around the world, all the different stages that people are at right now, but also you see the progress from year to year, but also decades or centuries. Some mobs started with, especially the Native American mob, how little they had, and um, where they're at right now, empowering to know that, you know, the little things we do on a day-to-day basis, like this yarning, practising your language, you know, it might seem small now, but later on down the track, it's those things flower into huge, big, big flowers. So, yeah, I think I'm just going to focus on the youth stuff at the moment once I'm done. Try and get that up off the ground, you know, learn, being, taking, taking leaps out of the books of, like, the Koori Youth Council, who have been up and running for over uh, 20 years now. Um, and then also my sister girl Renee Thompson over in uh, Great Western Sydney with Kimberwiley. Uh, which is their youth collective, and just try and get something concrete in the ground um, and work towards having these youth summits, similar to the crew mob have, bringing the youth together in a positive space. The yarn, you know, once we yarn, we realise the commonalities and all of our experiences and then also the similarities with all of our aspirations and our goals, and then that's when we can start working together and achieving things. Oh, yeah, this world we live in does divide us in it centred around individualism and it's, yeah, it's not conducive to any of that big picture stuff we want to do. So I think focusing on that for the now is all I've really got my eyes on. Yeah, yeah that's awesome. And, and, you know, I think about, um, like, you know, your studies in in um, international relations and Indonesian studies, like I just remember seeing you on our Bali trip and how how open you were and how um, confident you were in public speaking and how passionate you are, especially when it comes to um, the Indonesian studies stuff. Um, look, I think this will be all really positive stuff for your community and for Aboriginal people in, in uh, all over Australia, especially if you're going to set up youth summits and, and youth conventions and whatever else I think is so important and I think uh, this empowerment stuff like you've kind of mentioned throughout the whole interview this theme of self-determination and empowerment you're 100% all over it and I am 100% trusting and have you know heaps of faith in you and all the positive things that you're doing so yeah Thank you, <laughs> so thank you for joining us on this interview and um, I'll, I'll just I'll finish with one last thing is there anything you wanted to kind of mention um, for our listeners especially young people considering that's kind of your, your main focus at the moment anything you wanted to add a little bit of advice or, or something 
Um, I think just put it into perspective is a big thing. Um, have patience has been a big learning that I've been going through at the moment. Just have patience that those little sacrifices here or there, those good habits you start getting into, they will pay, pay dividends later on down the track. So it's just about being consistent. And then, yeah, the results will be there. There's so many opportunities. The world's changed so much space of a couple of decades. Opportunities all there for us to step up to that plate. So it's just about us getting ready to step up to it. And if there's any mob coming down to Perth and everyone to hang out, we've got the yarning circles running every every fortnight at the moment. So yeah, just message me on Facebook or anything if you want to come along. That's about it. <laughs> awesome. Thank you so much. And hopefully at some point in the future we'll see you come up and do a youth group up in the Kimberley maybe. Yeah, maybe. <laughs> okay, thanks for joining us. Katya. Uh, and that was Jack Collard, which concludes our show for today, uh, our first of the Scudder Mob segment. So thank you all for tuning in and we'll catch you next time.